Welcome to the Scottish Business Network podcast. Hello, I'm Fraser Allen and welcome to episode 24 and welcome to my living room. I'm sitting here with my Lakeland Terrier Angus, so if you hear some strange noises in the background, you'll know what it is. After brief spells working in a library and in a bank, Dundonian Maggie Berry ended up with a recruitment agency in London, which has led to a high-profile career promoting diversity and the role of women in business, not only in Scotland and the UK, but across the world. The founder of the Women in Technology Network, which she's still involved in, she is now Executive Director for Europe for We Connect International, which helps to empower women business owners to succeed in global markets. She's also a former young global leader at the World Economic Forum, and as you'll hear, she has an exciting guest list for her fantasy dinner party. I interviewed Maggie at the Balmoral Hotel in Edinburgh. Maggie Berry, you are a champion of women in technology and of diversity in the corporate supply chain. You've been really effective in these fields to the extent that you're actually awarded an OBE in June. So congratulations for Thank that. <laughs> but what did the young Maggie Berry want to do when she was growing up? Gosh, I think what I think about, I don't think I had a specific plan as such. I think really get, get through school and then get through university and get those qualifications. I mean, certainly by the time I was at uni, it was like my main goal at that point was to get back to Scotland. I actually went to university in Norwich, which was quite a long way. I grew up in Dundee and Norwich was quite a long way from Dundee. And my main goal was like, get the degree finished and then come up to Scotland and then look for a job and try and, you know, and create um, create a career from that point. So I, I think as I look back at school and at university, I was just very focused on getting, you know, getting through those exams, getting the qualifications and laying the, you know, like the playing field then right. what the world, what the world might offer yeah. at that, at that point. At that point when I graduated, though, back in back in Dundee. Sure, yeah, yeah. So that's what I did. I finished my degree and I came pretty much straight back home. So what, what was life like growing up beside the silvery tea? Oh, great. I mean, and my family are still all, still all really live in, in and around like Dundee and Broughty Ferry, and it's a beautiful place. I don't think you ever really fully mm. appreciate when you're growing up how nice places mm. are and like mm. the beach and the castle and the big skies. Um, great. Right. Lovely, yeah. stable, safe family home, Brilliant. which yeah. is now being replicated for my my nieces and things like that. Just yeah. amazing, and I'm, I'm quite jealous of my my brother who has a house just a few hundred yards from the from the river. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, but no, it's. Um, so, what did you want to go away to Norwich? Oh, do, you, do you know why? So, I went to. Um, they had an exhibition of universities at the Bonner Hall in Dundee. And I randomly got chatting to the guy from the UEA stand. He was on his own out in the foyer. I distinctly remember this. This is, I went to university in 1993 and I, I remember meeting him in the hallway and I, I liked the style of their university education, which was a very modular-based program. Okay. Yeah. And you could almost create a degree structure with a bit of this and a bit of that and a bit of this and you could almost create... Um, the degree that suited you in a way. You know, there was a there was a like an overarching structure, but it wasn't a set, you have to do this, you have to do this. You could pick and choose. And do you know what? I randomly I applied. I never expected to pass the exams and get the qualifications that I needed to get in, but I, I did. And so I found myself on my way to UEA. Um, it was quite a culture shock. It was quite different. I hardly I think over the four years I was there, I think I met about five Scottish people while I was there. Right, I really, right. really didn't meet many, mm. many other Scottish people there. It is quite a long way. Um, but an amazing university, an amazing experience. And you know, as with so many things, it's what you make of it. But one of the things that 
really happened to me. I was very homesick at the beginning, mm. and interesting that that experience is kind of feature, kind of featured in my in the rest of my life in terms of even though I've been away and I travel a lot and I, you know, we're not near our family. The that homesickness experience at university really has played quite an important role right. in my in That's my adult life. Yeah. Yes, all kind of stemming from kind of pitching up in Norwich and being like, wow, this is so mm. I want to be back at home, but actually wanting to make the most of different opportunities that are not on your doorstep. Right, okay. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting. It's one of those things I think... Um, I'm quite a confident soul. I, I, you know, been very active at school. Done lots of things. It wasn't anything that I was expecting, and it almost was like a complete. Right. I really, yeah. really didn't enjoy those first few, first few weeks, but persevered with the support of parents, kind of saying, mm. "You're not coming home." Um, <laughs> and but I think always through, I, I came straight back up after university, and I worked at Home in Dundee for a few years, and then in 2000, I actually moved down to London, and I've kind of been based down in the south ever since. But. Um, there's always been that part of me which kind of wishes oh, I wish I'd maybe chosen a university in Scotland and been closer to home but you know it didn't that's not what I chose mm. and my the opportunities that I've had and the career opportunities that have been presented to me um, have come from possibly being in and around that London that London area and being part sure. of that kind of network yeah. um, but our longer term goals certainly are to come you know eventually to come yeah. back north yeah right. okay. eventually yeah. Yeah. so we'll, yeah. we'll see how that yeah. pans out in the next yeah. in the next few years yeah. So you, you did return at that stage, though, to, to Dundee. Yeah. And um, you... So you did a, a secondary degree, did you, at Abertay? No, I worked... I worked you worked I worked, there. So I worked, worked at the university. Yeah. yeah, and in yeah. fact, when I think about it, I mean, I came back and I got this job and I worked... Um, I got a job as a library assistant, you know, in the university mm-hmm. library. But yeah. it was actually a really cool moment because it was at the moment when Aberty University had just... They were just transitioning from the old small library into their brand-new library building in Dundee. Right. And it was a really it was a really exciting moment to be part of that small team mm-hmm. as we literally moved hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of books and moved into a brand-new oh, right. okay. state-of-the-art yeah. at yeah. that moment, state-of-the-art library. Um, and I enjoyed it. Mm. But it was a library, and the only way that you could really progress was if you were going to go and do a library qualification and mm. that was up at, I think, up at Robert Gordon's in Aberdeen and I wasn't interested in that and then I you know found another I got another job with um with NatWest in Dundee doing mm. student and graduate banking I really enjoyed and NatWest had five branches in Scotland um and there was quite a strong you know Dundee's quite a strong university town with the medical school and the dental school and the universities um but I worked there at the point when there was the NatWest RBS buyout and actually it kind of changed things and I think it was a you know a moment of change for that organisation, and for me there then wasn't necessarily the same differentiator in the market for the student market. And right. I also yeah. had in the background yeah. a lot of my university friends saying, "Come to London, come to oh, London, really? come yeah, and do yeah, it." Yeah, because yeah. yeah, you know one one of the things about mm-hmm. going to university down south is that it means that your university friends are from down south. Right. Um, right. And so actually they were having a brilliant time in London. They're like, mm. "Come, come and get a job. Come down, come down." And I. And I went down on a bit of a whim. Sure, I, yeah, yeah. You know, I applied for a couple of jobs. I got a job. I went down. I didn't really know what this company was. <laughs> and I ended up staying there for 12 years and had countless opportunities with them. And that was a, a kind of recruitment agency, mm. yeah? Yeah, they were, a, they were a city recruitment firm. I went in as a, you know, a technical recruiter. I didn't know, I didn't know anything about technology, but I, you know, I worked at it. It did quite well. I think I did hands-on recruitment for about four years and then I was like, oh, I want to do something different. But I was really honest mm. and open mm. with them. I just said, I really like this company. I don't want to do this anymore. And actually, right. they created um, almost like an internal position to help me do um, kind of like business development stuff for them, which I quite enjoyed. 
and I it, it was a firm I always described it I can still remember now what I used to say to people if you want to come and do grown up recruitment mm. this is where you can do it it was a very you know and they worked with some really amazing brands like you know Deutsche Bank and Goldman Sachs and everything so we were doing some really cool stuff but the hands on tech recruitment maybe wasn't quite quite for me right okay but it did transition into what became Women in Technology mm. which is what I worked on for a really long time and actually was my first step into the diversity world and working with women in business yeah. and that all came from my my CEO at the time my boss is a guy called Laurie Boyle and he'd had the foresight and he bought this URL called womenintechnology.co.uk and he basically presented it to me and said um want to do something around diversity want to build a website oh really right. yeah. yeah and I was like I don't really know anything about building a website he's like yep away you go and we we created a website we built right. a website with this theme around trying to increase the number of women working in the tech industry initially it, it was going to be a vehicle for the recruitment agency McGregor Boyle Associates right. to kind of help them find more tech female candidates but actually we launched it to our client base and the clients were like we love this yeah. we want to put our jobs on there Right. And suddenly we were like, all right. And we had a quite a quick turnabout to, to change it from just being a, a website with some information on it, mm. news and stuff, actually into an online portal where companies could put job posts yeah. and try and work to attract more applications from female female technologists. Right. And this opened up a massive world of stuff that I didn't know, didn't really, at that point, didn't know much about, but really got stuck in and over a number of years created a very, I would say at that point, quite a cutting edge organization looking at mm. how you could help companies recruit, um, run events, we ran oh. training programs, we were helping women succeed and achieve in their in their technology careers. It was very UK focused, but we, I mean I think at its peak we had about seventeen thousand women registered with us. It was um, an amazing experience. And I what sort of team had, had you built up working Gosh, I mean I think we were always a very small core team maybe maybe three or four mm, yeah. and then bearing in mind that it had come out of a recruitment firm there was then a drive maybe a few years down the line to actually could we also offer a specific recruitment offering right you know and actually have a traditional kind of recruitment mm. team and we we hired several people to do that it was it was hard it was hard to make that that bit exactly. So was it actually owned by the recruitment yes, company? Yes, it, it was. Always yeah. owned, and, they, and they it in, still is. Yeah. Uh, oh. yeah I mean, they yeah. they invested an awful lot. Yeah. Fair play to them. They were mm. one of the agencies that really was leading the way around diversity and inclusion yeah. at yeah. that point. I mean, we launched it in uh, International Women's Day 2005. Nobody right. else was really looking at that kind of that kind of piece then. Mm. So they were very, you know, a lot of foresight. Um, they still have a very strong focus around mm. diversity and inclusion. Not in the same. Um, the Women in Technology platform itself doesn't yeah. doesn't really exist in the same way anymore. I mean, I run now the um, the informal network through things like Facebook, the LinkedIn group, and the Twitter account. The Twitter account has a it's at Women in Tech and it has a an enormous number of followers. Right, I don't right, know right, what the number right. is today, but over yeah. one hundred twenty thousand followers. And we so on an informal basis now, I just continue to keep sharing mm. stuff, useful stuff for women in the tech industry, and I. Most of my focus now around women in tech is actually around role modelling and helping to promote and shine a spotlight on all the amazing women. So I work, say, with, um, not work, but I support Computer Weekly. They do a top uh, top 50 right. influential women yeah. in IT, and I'm one of the judges for that. Or, you know, we would be promoting events and awards programmes that will be highlighting, you know, amazing women that are out there. Yeah. I'm also in... In the city of London, there's all the livery movement. I'm in yes. the worship yeah. company yeah. of information technologists, yeah. which is how I kind of do my give back now yeah. around the tech industry um, and will support different initiatives yeah. to support women 
whether that is women starting out, so schools, mm-hmm. women already in their careers, returners to work. I mean, there's a whole scope of stuff that you know is still ongoing. But what is amazing is over the years, when we first launched Women in Tech in 2005, there's so many amazing groups now yeah, doing yeah, such yeah, cool yeah. stuff. And I'm, it, you know, I'm much enthused by all these different mm-hmm. programs that I see. And I think, I mean, often people ask me for advice about where they can go. There's tons of organisations now, way more than when we were. Right, you know, so first things have it. improved Yeah, hugely. I mean, just in yeah. terms of the support, the group, yeah. and, yeah, there's lots mm. and lots of different resources. So your just career path, you know, looking from the outside in, you know, stalking you on LinkedIn, <laughs> looked a, a bit haphazard, but there's a kind of sort of logic in the way that you, you've gained this experience, and then obviously... The, uh, the recruitment agency you're at, some, somebody spotted that you were the perfect person to, mm. to lead this, this new, new project. Mm. And you found your thing, the thing mm. that you, you can, I can tell you're really passionate about it. Yeah. And, and that is going to carry on. So you've, I mean, you built that up. You're still involved, obviously. Yes, very, uh, very, inf- much, yeah, very, very informally. And I, mean, yeah. I, still got, I still spend a lot of time, you know, people say to me, we'd have a conversation with somebody, have a career chat, no problem. Mm. I, I quite informally will sometimes talk to corporations still even. They're like, oh, what do we do? I'm like, okay. Where you are, let yeah. me give you a bit of his, but it's informal. Um, yeah. You know, not doing anything, anything really connected to the women in tech in a in a in a commercial sure, way. Yeah. But it's interesting that you say it kind of looks at hazard because I worked, I kind of did the women in tech stuff, and then I've been mm. you know, for the last seven years nearly yeah. at We Connect International. So I've really only worked for two two organisations, but I think I've done lots. There's been other things that have kind of been sitting alongside it, say like the World Economic Forum yeah. stuff. Yeah, I mean more sort of early days when you know you. you but I mean. It, that, that's what a lot of people do when they yeah, leave university. Exactly. You want to move to London, you want to spend yeah. some time at home, etc. Yeah. I mean, so what was, yeah, this, you were a young global leader within the, the World Economic Forum, as, as you just mentioned. What yeah. did that involve? So it's really interesting. So I actually came through another, another connection because I was actually introduced to that group by Catherine Garrett Cox, who was at the Alliance oh, Trust okay. at that moment. Yeah. Um, and I mean, as you know, the World Economic Forum is looking at loads of different topics, but they have a group of young, what they kind of deem as young global leaders, and I was involved with that for three years or so and I got involved specifically with one of their global agenda councils around employment issues and it was one of the things that you know kind of a very much an informal uh, kind of hands-off approach but a couple of times we went to some very big meetings to discuss all these different topics ours of employment was one and mm. I was providing a voice around um, around, yeah. around women um, and in the end I think their model slightly changed and you had to pay quite a lot of money to be involved in it at some point and I just transitioned to joining We Connect International which is a not-for-profit and there wasn't it wasn't appropriate there wasn't funding to 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 mm. pay to another entity but a really interesting organisation I still I see I mean I was never invited to Davos I've not been attending like that right, okay, but yeah, did yeah. go to a few yeah. you know a few very very um, inspiring and completely different events stuff that I'd never experienced because they were in Abu Dhabi and Dubai and I'd never done anything mm-hmm. in that part of the world and yeah, again, a different opportunity that came to me through through a, through a Scottish connection that I wasn't yeah, wasn't yeah. expecting, but it was very yeah very interesting. So tell us all about We Connect then. What what is the organisation all about? What are your your key objectives? Yeah, well, so it's a supplier diversity campaign. So the We of We Connect stands for Women's Enterprise, and it is all about connecting women-owned businesses into the corporate supply chain. So normally. When we talk about diversity, it's about hiring. You know, are we hiring women, getting them coming back after maternity leave, women on mm-hmm. boards, all that good stuff. What we're actually looking at is where is big business spending its money and do they have women-owned suppliers in their supply chain? Um, it's a global organisation. Our head office team is actually based in Washington, D.C., and I've got colleagues all around the world, so 
Canada, India, Latin America, Africa, but I'm based in the UK and I run our campaign across Europe. We work with a coalition of about 75 to 80 large multinationals, so firms like Accenture, IBM, um, EDF Energy, uh, lots of big brands who are interested in having more diversity in the supply chain. So we have one group, which is the corporations we work with, and then our other group of stakeholders are the women-owned businesses that we have registered with us. And we have a global database of women-owned businesses, and we are essentially bringing these two groups together. Um, the emphasis is very much on opening up the opportunities for the women-owned businesses. So we don't expect any of the corporates to buy from a women-owned business just because they're a women-owned business, yeah. but we would like them to open up their opportunities. So the main model is that they share visibility on their procurement requirements and they say, we're running this tender, we've got this opportunity, we're looking for a supplier that does X, Y or Z. And our job around the world is to then say, right, we have women-owned businesses that could provide that product or service. Okay. And then it's there. So we're doing that connection bit and then it's up the corporate to take it right. forward. It's super interesting, super challenging. Mm. Um, what, what are the challenges? What are the frustrations? <laughs> so really, I mean, if you imagine, we're, we're, I feel we are on a kind of a global change management program trying to change the way that corporations buy and their processes, and that does not happen <laughs> overnight. So there's a whole piece around actually how we bring the corporate, and it is a very much a private, our, our campaign is very much a private sector focused initiative, but um, how we get corporations to be opening up the opportunities. And then on the other side, it's making, you know, trying to ensure and find and identify the women-owned businesses that have the right skills and experiences, the right products and services that that mm. corporation wants to buy. So we're definitely focused on women-owned businesses in that kind of corporate and B2B sector. You know, who have a product that an IBM would buy, that Intel would buy, that EY would be purchasing, as opposed to say, stuff that you or I would maybe buy ourselves. Yeah. It's definitely on that corporate mm. B2B space. Um, and also, it is around procurement, and procurement, sometimes some of these these, these kind of, these, these chains of events just take so long to yeah. come to fruition. Very rigid <laughs> systems they have sometimes, in place. Yeah. Yes, I mean, yeah. sometimes we have quick wins, stuff's happened, you know, mm. it'll be in a few months, but oftentimes it might be 12, 18 months as, as mm. something works through a cycle. It's super interesting. It's never dull. We work with an amazing set of corporations and I'm inspired every day by the female business owners I work with. These are amazing women running, you know, very robust right. yeah. businesses yeah. and... Who, who do you normally target at the corporations? Is it the head of procurement? Or, yeah, 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 yeah. We, yeah. So most of my day-to-day -day contacts are procurement people, normally pretty senior procurement people. Um, occasionally they have dedicated supplier diversity folk in this region. Okay. It's, actually, um, it's actually very strong in the US. So it's actually come out of the US right. market. It's much more embedded there. So if we were in the US and you know we were working with women-owned business there, it's much more of a thing. Mm. Um, so if you look at the list of corporations we work with, many of them are US multinationals, but we work with their with their right. European teams. Are, um, are you able to say who, who some yeah, of the top trailblazers are on this? Yeah, I would say some of our key kind of... Um, Key players in this region are people like Accenture and Intel, IBM, Johnson Johnson, Workshop Dome, right. um, and others. You know, mm. but there's you know there's some who have very strong global programs, and they're making a change. This is mm. not easy. Mm. What we are doing is not easy, and they are mm. really committed to it and really pushing ahead. And yeah, challenging barriers within procurement. It as I say, it's um yeah, it's a very it's a very interesting. I kind of have mix of like interesting frustration this is really hard this is amazing you have you know major ups right. but it's a very um, 
I like it. It's a very practical piece of that entrepreneurial landscape. Right. You can provide as much training, as much networking, as much kind of role modeling. At the end of the day, you know, you need access to business opportunities. Mm. And that's what we're doing through WeConnect. Have you got any specific things you want to achieve over and above that over the next mm. however many years? Gosh, um, so I've, I'm kind of nearing toward the end of year seven with them and we've, we've achieved an awful lot in that time. We're quite a small not-for-profit. I mean, it is a global organisation. Um, I think we punch well above our weight in terms of what we deliver and I think here in, in Europe what we've been doing in the last years is when I started it was really just the UK and now we're in, in Ireland, Switzerland, Germany and Netherlands and I think what's most likely going to be happening in the next years is as we go into more European countries and by that I mean running events and offering, we do a formal accreditation programme for women owned businesses and we offering that and identifying how we take um, our existing material and you know translate it into different languages because mm. obviously you're a bit <laughs> there's lots of different cultures and lots of different languages across there but um yeah there's still a lot to do we've made good progress but globally yeah, around I mean, globally we want to do more i mean yeah. we would the stat that we would share is that only one percent of corporate and government spend globally goes to women-owned businesses and we're on a mission right to okay. change that really? stat. Wow. yeah one percent yeah. a lot of it will go to other big business yes but we want to increase the amount that is coming to women-owned businesses around the world. Um, and I think the work that I do really technically in Western Europe, um, you know, there's nothing stopping the women running, owning, mm. setting up businesses. Some of my colleagues work in much more challenging environments and economies yeah, than I, course, than yeah, I do yeah, sure. um, here. But we're, it's a very active region. A lot of the corporations will look to Europe first. They're mm. looking for us to kind of be, you know, backing up what they're doing and following following through on these programmes to really help yeah. them meet and identify and connect with and grow relationships with women-owned businesses who could be a potential mm. future supplier. So, so in, in terms of Europe and, and Scotland, um, you, you're obviously doing this because there is a need to be doing this to, to, to improve the situation. Mm. Looking back at you know, 20, 30 years ago, the, the way women were treated in the working place you know, is absolutely appalling. Do you think in 20, 30 years we'll look back at 2019 and think, God, that was so primitive? <laughs> I don't um, th- There is all, until there is complete parity, there's always going to be more to do. Women, we are, you know, we're 50% of the working population, but we are hugely underrepresented in terms of business ownership. We own less than 20% of businesses in the UK, and we're underrepresented in terms of positions of power and influence. So there's always going to be more to do. Will we, will we look back? Yes, I'm sure we will look back and kind of think, gosh, we thought it was okay, but it's not. I mean, there's still so much that needs to be needs to be done mm. um, certainly with regards to the goals that we have we're very conscious that it's, it's not just one thing it isn't just the corporations need to come up with the opportunities it, there is also the piece that there needs to be more women owned businesses with the right skills and the right products and services there needs to be both sides of the coin to make something work yeah. um, it isn't up to just to one group to make, sure, to make yeah. those changes yeah. I'll be really interested to see how things kind of pan out in the next 10-20 years um, but yes we're a way we're a long way off parity right and career-wise, have you got any other big ambitions you'd like to fulfil or are you just happy kind of working away with the organisation at the moment? <laughs> Very happy that we connect at the moment. Yeah, definitely. There's still... Um, we've, as I said, we've made good progress. I still think there's a ton of stuff to be to be doing and it's it's still... It, even after all these years, it's still a very interesting... Um, 
interesting environment to be working in. And, I, I've, I've, and it's the same kind of setup as that we had at, we, um, at Women in Technology. I work with large multinationals to help them work on one of their diversity kind of pain points. So at Women in Tech, it was about how they could hire more tech, female tech women. And at WeConnect, it's like how we can help them connect into more women-owned businesses. So this, the skill set that I have around working with, you know, these large corporates and also different stakeholders and kind of, I guess, kind of like evangelising about a, a, mm. a topic, I really, I still really enjoy. And as I said earlier, I'm, I'm hugely inspired by the women the female business owners that I meet, some of these women are amazing. Right. I mean, some of them I mean, like, I want to go and work with them. They're amazing. Um, and what I want to be able to do is how I can connect them mm. to these corporations and how I can help them grow and develop their businesses. So for me, the driver is always around how can I help help these businesses? Or even, you know, when somebody says, can you just have an informal chat with somebody? I'm like, yeah, because I know the impact that one conversation can have with somebody. Sure. One idea can have on a business. You know, one kind of, you should go to this event. This is the person you need to talk to. This is the resource you need to go to. And if I can be a kind of a signpost, going, you need to look at this, this and this. That's hugely impactful. And I really enjoy that that kind of connect to role that right. I play, yeah. that I play in, play in the middle. Yeah. For you individually, what has been one of the most effective things that you've done in terms of your career? Def- networking. I'd definitely say networking. Um, I mean, I've been very lucky because I've actually set up and run networks in and of themselves, but I have been involved with tons of different networks over the years who have provided so much resource for me. And I, I mean, the one thing I would say to anybody you know, is make sure you're involved in some kind of network, whether that's you know, definitely a women business network or a you know a women women's network of some sort if you're a female, but also thinking about your industry sector or whether there's a local network you could be part of. There is so much value from being part of a wider a wider group and an organisation, just in terms of knowledge and expertise and connections. I mean, and over the years, I've I've built up a really large personal network of, of contacts. And actually, one of the things I really enjoy is when somebody says to me, "I've got this issue, I need to think about that." I'm like. I will know. I will know someone, and I can think about who I can connect them to, and then put them in touch. I mean, I mean, LinkedIn is such an amazing tool that it makes it very easy to make those connections. But yeah, networking, get out there, meet people. Um, I once heard somebody say to me, "You should spend twenty percent of your week networking." That's essentially like one day a week, which I think is actually a huge amount of time. But even sitting down and having a coffee with a colleague, or talking to somebody in a different team, or meeting somebody from another business, it's all networking and it all it all adds value and it's one of the things that has really helped me progress in my career and I, I got the job at We Connect International through my network you know I put out that I was starting to look yeah. and it went you know through a mm-hmm. series of connections from Women in Tech somebody who was a crossover to We Connect International came back around and they were looking for a full time person to come and join and that's how I got the role there oh. so yeah networking definitely if you have one message for people of influence working in large corporations, what would it be? I really think we are pushing the barriers around the barriers and the boundaries around diversity. We are no longer just looking at workforce, but actually thinking about supply chain. Where, do the, where does big business spend its money, spend its euros, its dollars, its GBP, and how can we work towards putting more of that into the hands of women? Uh, certainly for me here, the women in, women-owned businesses in Europe, but around the world. And I, I just think, gosh, you know, if corporations are out there looking for that next step in their diversity programme, it's thinking past just their workforce, but actually into their supply chain. And it's not easy, and it's, and it's hard to do, but it, this is the next, the next step in taking your diversity programme further and global. So when you're not doing all this, it obviously goes way beyond a job for you. It's, it's, a, kind of, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, a, it's a kind of vocation uh, and a passion. 
what do you do? How do you enjoy yourself outside that? Uh, spending time with my husband. Mm-hmm. Um, we um, what do we do? I mean, I'd be dead honest. We normally we, we don't have a lot of time. I travel quite a lot for work, right. and actually, we're not really a kind of a, a couple who spend a lot of time on the sofa watching telly or anything like that. But um, enjoy going out and about in our local in go to the pub on a Saturday afternoon mm-hmm. with the papers, just yeah, sit and enjoy. Right. Um, my husband does a commute to London every day and I, I don't envy him in, right. in any way. So actually, yeah. by the time we get to the weekend, we're normally like, <laughs> not... So not, where, where do you live? We live in Hitchin, which is okay. near, yeah. near yeah. Stevenage, so just it's about half an hour north out of London. Um, and Hitchin itself is a great little place. There's always mm-hmm. stuff going on, so we definitely try to support our local shops, local environment. Mm. Um, I also support... Um, don't have a lot of spare time but I support our local community centre um, it's called the Walsworth Community Centre it's in this little part of Hitchin where we live and they, they put an appeal out saying they needed some more volunteers so I support the committee I support our Facebook page try and help them run events and things like that as I can mm. you know mm. with the limited time you have when you've got more than a full time right. more than a full time job um, I like travel cooking history I've yeah. always got a copy of the BBC History magazine in my bag right. um, well that could come in handy for my next question which is a bit of a curveball I'll have to give you a little heads up <laughs> um, so if you could invite three people to dinner Maggie yeah. dead or alive who would they be and why would you invite yeah. them yeah so immediately you asked that I was like because you know I was the, certainly I am obsessed by um, women in history who you know people like say Queen Elizabeth Mary Queen of Scots they never met in real life it would be amazing to have them around the table people like say um, Elizabeth Woodville or um, Sorry, Elizabeth, who's, who's... Elizabeth Woodville was um, Edward IV's wife and right. her daughter was um, Elizabeth of York who was Henry VIII's mother all that those kind of Tudor women and right. everything just and I'm they are almost secondary characters in history there's not a lot of contemporary um, contemporary sources mm. about them not a lot that they've written or that they they have left behind but these women would have been so imp- <laughs> they were so important and we don't really know very much about them and right. I would love to get them in a room and kind of go like what is your life like <laughs> you know who are you I don't you? know what, what they'd make of modern cooking so I don't know it's quite not, hard to cater for it's not even about I don't, I don't know what kind of I think they, they ate very rich food mm. I think at that point I think it would um, but I think I'm just fascinated by what their lives would have been mm. like, and I and I see this about so many female female names in history that are obviously hugely important because they would have provided the bloodline, and the mm. sons coming through. But actually, the the voices that we hear through history are normally male, mm. and normally it's the victors as well, mm. and how they wanted to spin how they want to spin the story. But I just think there's so many amazing. Women. So I don't I don't have a list of three. I could choose a list of <laughs> I don't know about ten, fifteen so women. We'll through get, history. Let's get a marquee and yeah. You can do it. Have a, have a big yeah. dinner party um, and I, I just think there's so many women through history and I recently I bought um, a book for my nieces called Rebel uh, Goodnight Stories for Rebel Girls and it's all each each page is a, is a, is a kind of a feature about these different amazing women um, living mm. and living and deceased through history to inspire, you know, girls to think about all these amazing women throughout time. And I know that might sound a bit of a cliche for somebody who's involved in women in mm. business, but actually, I mean, I, this, you know, we are, I'd say we're 50% of the population and actually sometimes our voices are mm. not heard as much and I, and I want that to, I want that to change for the next generation. Right. And, as, and as people, you know, as, as younger women are coming through and knowing that they can, you know, they can do anything. There are these opportunities. If you want to go down a university education, you can. If you want to set up a business, you can. Mm-hmm. If you want to go off and work for a social enterprise, yeah, no problem. If you want to live in London, then you can. If there's opportunities in Scotland, if you want to go and travel the world and try all these different things, then you can. Then you, then you can. 
Mm-hmm. And that, for me, is my, you know, my driver about so much of what I do. And I almost, I almost forget that, but that is the part, it's, part, it's just part and parcel of who I am and the work that I do and what we deliver every day for, for women in business. Well, that is a great answer, Maggie, and that is a perfect way on which to, to close. So thank you very much. You're very welcome. Thanks very much to Maggie and good luck with all the great work that she's doing. And we'll be back with another guest in two weeks' time. To find out more about the Scottish Business Network, simply visit sbn.scot.